For most students, we're now coming to the end of what would normally have been the dreaded exam season. And whilst there's been so much disruption over the last two academic years, those who still faced exams had to make sure that they were ready and prepared for them despite the circumstances. And even if it's been many years since you last took an exam, I'm sure you'll remember the stress of revision. I recall revising for my law school exams. I used to print out long lists of all the legal cases I needed to memorise, stick them on my bedroom wall with blue tack, and then pace around the room trying to recite them all off by heart. Some students prepare detailed and colourful revision timetables, setting out months in advance exactly what material they'll cover and when. Others, of course, prefer to leave it more to the last minute, perhaps cramming it all in at some uh, very late night right at the end. But whatever strategies students might prefer, they're all predicated on one common fact. You know when the exam is taking place. The date and time is published well in advance and it's up to each student to prepare in whatever way works for them. But how do you prepare for an exam if you don't know when it will happen? How do you plan a revision timetable if the exam could happen suddenly at any time, indeed at a time when you least expect it? Well, the challenging truth is we will all face exactly this kind of exam. It could happen at any time when the chief examiner, the Lord Jesus himself, returns in glory to judge the living and the dead. Only the subject of this exam won't be history or maths. It will be on the condition of our hearts as evidenced by the conduct of our lives. Look down again with me at our passage for today, which comes just after the passage we heard last week in verses 13 to 21 on the parable of the rich fool, where Jesus warns the crowd about the danger of insatiable greed. Then in verses 22 to 34, he goes on to teach his disciples about the parallel danger of intractable anxiety. And it's in this context that Jesus continues to instruct his disciples on how they should conduct themselves as servants of a master who's going away for a while, but who will return at an unexpected time. And consequently, those servants, those disciples, those followers, they need firstly to stay ready for the master's return, verses 35 to 40. Secondly, they also need to stay faithful until the master's return, verses 41 to 48. So firstly, stay ready for the master's return. In this section, Jesus tells two short parables, which broadly make the same point. The first puts it positively. Those who do stay ready will be richly rewarded and blessed. The second parable then puts it negatively. Those who get caught not being ready will face severe consequences. Let's look at each one in more detail. Verse 35. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. The imperative here is twofold. The servants are to be dressed, ready for service. More literally, this can be translated as let your loins stay girded, which is a phrase frequently used in the Old Testament to describe someone who is in a state of constant readiness with their flowing tunic tucked into their belt so that they were ready to fight or perform hard work. So the Israelites, for example, were commanded to eat the Passover meal in Egypt with their loins girded, 
ready to flee from Egypt on that very night. Likewise, the servants are instructed to keep their lamps burning. Again, this is a constant state of watchfulness, effectively staying awake with the light on, even in the middle of the night, as we see in verse 38. But why? Why this state of constant readiness? Well, it's because the servants don't know when the master will return. It could be at any time. Wedding banquets in that culture, as they are in some cultures today, could last for up to a week. The master could stay to the end, or he could return early, during the middle of the night, or even towards daybreak. The crucial thing is that the servants are found to be ready and waiting to immediately open up the door for him. Only there's a twist to this story, as is usually the case with Jesus' parables. Here, the master unexpectedly dresses himself to serve. And it's the same word in the Greek. The master girds up. And then he invites his servants to recline at his table so that he can serve them. Indeed, twice, at the start of verse 37 and in verse 38, Jesus says, it will be good for those servants who are found to be ready. Literally, they will be blessed. And this great blessing may be a reference to having a seat at the end-time messianic banquet, which the author Luke mentions again in the very next chapter. But what about those who aren't ready? Well, in verses 39 and 40, they'll be like the owner of a house who didn't know what time the thief was coming and wasn't prepared, and as a result, has his house broken into. In fact, the New Testament often compares the Lord's return with the image of a thief. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed, so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Revelation 16, verse 15. So then, when Jesus returns at a time we don't expect, there will be great blessing for those who are found ready and waiting, and severe judgment and loss for those who aren't prepared. Now, how does this affect the way we live now? What does it actually look like to be in a state of constant readiness? Well, perhaps we should consider this question the other way around. What things in your life are distracting you from being ready to receive our Master Jesus when he returns? Remember what we said earlier about the immediate surrounding context of this parable in the preceding passage, verses 13 to 34. Jesus has just been warning the crowds about the dangers of greed, warning his disciples about the dangers of anxiety. And indeed, these themes have been highlighted earlier on in Luke's gospel. In chapter 8, for example, we have the parable about the sower and the seeds. Another well-known story where, if you remember, the farmer scatters the seed. Some falls on the path, some falls on the rocky ground, some fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And Jesus explained that this represented those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. You hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. We won't be ready, still less would we stay constantly ready, if in fact we're choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, if we're plagued by insatiable greed or intractable anxiety. Now, to be fair, over the last year or so, during the pandemic, there's been plenty to worry about, be it our parents' health, 
our children's education, our own job security. But it's what we do with those worries that matters. Do we go back to God's word, not only hearing it, but retaining it and by persevering and trusting in God's goodness and the truthfulness of his word, produce a crop, living faithfully in accordance with what Jesus has taught? If Jesus were to return tomorrow, would he find us endlessly worrying about the number of daily COVID cases and crippled by concern for our own well-being? Or would he find us reaching out to others in need, holding out the hope of the new creation, which will be unblemished by disease when Jesus comes again? Or conversely, have we been longing for a return to normality just so that we can continue with our career progression? which has been put on hold for 15 months, also that we can indulge in foreign holidays once more, also that we can fill up our evenings with trips to the pub or dinner parties to make up for lost time. Now, those aren't necessarily bad things in and of themselves, but if Jesus were to return tomorrow, would he find us striving for life's riches and pleasures or storing up treasures in heaven and eagerly awaiting not just a return to normality, but the return of the eternal king. So we are to stay ready for the master's return. Then secondly, and much more briefly in verses 41 to 48, we are to stay faithful until the master's return. In response to those two short parables, Peter asks, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? Is this call to be in a state of constant readiness just for the 12 apostles or just for the church leadership? Or is it for every Christian believer? Well, Jesus doesn't directly answer Peter's question. In fact, he goes on to tell another parable, again, involving a master who goes away for a while and returns at an unexpected time. Only in this parable, Jesus doesn't talk about all the servants in general, but focuses on the head servant In particular, the wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time. Verse 42. Again, it will be good for this servant if they faithfully do what the master has commanded. This is the third time in this passage that this phrase has been repeated. There will be great blessing for those who faithfully continue to follow the master's commands until he returns. And in this case, the servant is rewarded with even greater responsibility, being put in charge of all of the master's possessions. But just as those who aren't ready will be like the house owner who lets the thief break into his house. Here, there is also a negative side to this second parable. The servant who is decidedly unfaithful and who rebelliously does the opposite of what was commanded, well, they will be cut to pieces and assigned a place with the unbelievers, verse 46. So going back to Peter's question then, does this apply to everyone or just to the church leadership? Well, it seems from Jesus' conclusion that it's not a simple either or. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked, verse 48. Our degree of accountability will be correlated with the degree of responsibility 
with which we have been entrusted. For those in positions of leadership in the church who have the principal duties to shepherd the flock and teach God's word, they, of course, will be held to a higher level of accountability. Yet, in a sense, every Christian believer has been entrusted with the precious good news of Jesus, the gospel, and we will all be held accountable for what we've done with it. So let's close with a couple of concluding applications. The most important point from this passage is to recognise that Jesus is returning, and it will be at a time when we least expect it. So before we can even think about how to stay ready, if we're not ready now, then it's imperative that we take this seriously and act urgently. As the church father Augustine wrote in his confessions, as a young unconverted man, he once prayed, Lord, give me chastity and self-control, but not yet. Well, perhaps some of us can empathise with that sentiment, but the truth is Jesus could return at any time. So if you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian believer, can I encourage you to not put it off any longer? Come now, investigate the Christian faith for yourself. And for those who are Christians, if we've grown weary of faithfully serving, perhaps we're thinking, I need a break. I need some time for me, especially given how hard this last year has been. Well, I think it would be a mistake to read this or any other parable as a mere morality tale. You know, do this and be blessed. Don't do enough and you'll be punished. No, we mustn't unwittingly allow a theology of salvation by works to come in through the back door. And whilst the condition of our hearts is usually evidenced by the conduct of our lives, if we see that our conduct isn't where it should be, it's not just a case of trying harder. We need to remember that just like the master in the first parable, our returning master is also the one who did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as we come back to the cross and renew our trust in Jesus and his death as the sole basis for our salvation, let us continually examine our own hearts in anticipation of the coming of the chief examiner, knowing that as long as we are believing and trusting in him, we will certainly pass that final exam. And such confidence in his loving, saving grace will surely spur us on to stay ready for his return and to stay faithful until his return.